Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Woo. Yeah, the Lord is faithful. We are so grateful uh, that we can lift high His name. He is worthy uh, of our praise. Uh, what a blessing this morning as, uh, as the band became silent and the beautiful voices of all of you were lifted high uh, to our Lord. And I am so grateful uh, just for a church that sings and worships and uh, lifts high the name of Jesus. And we're going to do that today. We're going to uh, continue uh, this morning in uh, our series. We are walking through uh, a series called Word Made Flesh. We just kicked off uh, last week and for the first time this entire year, uh, these last two weeks we've been in the New Testament. We've been on kind of a, a, a journey chronologically and uh, f- for the most part through Scripture uh, this year and just really looking at this uh, overarching uh, theme of the Scriptures, looking at this great big story of Scripture. And so we're uh, grateful for many of you that are joining us along that journey and we invite you into that, right? This is a great time. Maybe if you haven't been uh, engaging in the Word, maybe you haven't been, uh, maybe just uh, started out strong this year and you got through like in the beginning and then maybe you uh, kind of got disconnected somewhere along the way. This is a great time to jump back in and you'll find some reading plans uh, online at cowie.church forward slash disciple. You can also find those uh, in the church app. Uh, you'll also find some interactive sermon notes there this morning. And so we invite you to, to lean into that. If you're a guest and you're here this morning, I'm so grateful that you have uh, chosen to worship with us this morning. We'd love uh, to hear from you. We'd love to bless you with a gift. Uh, you'll see a, a table as you leave. Uh, and we would love just to give you a little information about us uh, and just connect uh, a bit with you. So uh, please stop by there. And if, if you so desire, give us a little information and we'll share uh, some things with you. We promise not to be at your house or do anything weird along the way unless you uh, ask us to do that. So you can feel safe there. Uh, You can also text the word guest uh, to 828-477-4037 and that'll uh, begin just some communication from us. Uh, And by the way, you can text anything else you want to there as well and we'll get that uh, along the way too. But please know we'd love to connect with you when you're ready to connect with us. Now, we've been last week looking at this thought of what it looks like to be a kingdom influencer, what it looks like to be someone who is making a difference uh, for uh, the kingdom of God and not our own agendas. And we're going to be in one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. We're going to be in Matthew chapter five. We're going to be in uh, the greatest sermon of all time that was preached by the greatest preacher of all time, by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, by Jesus Christ himself. So you can take uh, your copy of God's word and open uh, to Matthew chapter five. Uh, We're going to be just looking at salt and light. Uh, Two things that I love. I love Salt and light. Now, many of you, uh, this is watermelon season, right? And I just poured salt everywhere, but it's okay because wherever salt's at, it influences for good. Uh, How many people are watermelon with salt people in the room, right? Yeah. How about just watermelon by itself? Yeah. So there's some, my wife is watermelon by itself. She's in the kids' wing this morning, but she's watermelon by itself. Uh, I I like to put a little salt on there. Uh, It just makes it so Good, right? Uh, I love those things. Something else I love, uh, a bunch, and you'll kind of see this. I may have, I may need some help over this, but, but something else I love is flashlights, right? So 
Now, what's bad is this morning, I, I, I didn't necessarily plan on using any of these, but this morning I decided just to pick up what was around my desk and within maybe about a 10-foot radius. <laughs> I know, I can't help it. Got a few more. Let me see. Now, this one right here is rechargeable. Love this one. Um, and I got my, my favorite one. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure this one's... This one's pretty bright. I don't think it'll burn your retinas out if you look at it for just a short period of time, but um, I'm not responsible. But one of my favorite things about this flashlight is that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. Some of you men, yeah, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Luckily, I have my light because, yeah, the, the scripture says in, <laughs> in the Psalms, right? Psalm 119, 105 says that word, right? is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And it, it guides us right in the midst of, I'm going to quit doing that. So, um, but it guides us right along our journey, right? It gives light to our feet. It warns us of immediate danger. Uh, you know, when, I, when my kids were small, uh, you know, I, I remember times that they might say, you know what, I, I'm not afraid of the dark. But now their actions would tell me something different, right? Because they didn't want to go outside. And so what they would say to me is, Dad, I'm not afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of what's in the dark, right? That's exactly right. And so uh, the reality is that I'm not sure if I like flashlights uh, so much as maybe the reality is that I don't like darkness. And the, the world we live in is a dark place. And, and we've got a call to be light in the midst of darkness. Now, when you look up the word darkness in the, in the dictionary, you'll find the definition for that is the absence of light. That's what darkness is. It's the absence of light. Now, you and I, we're going to see today, have been called to be kingdom influencers. We're to be people who are difference makers in the kingdom of God. And through our reading last week, we read of uh, Jesus and John the Baptist. We read of Jesus' baptism. We read of uh, Jesus being uh, led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. We saw that he responded with the word of God. We, uh, we read of uh, Jesus' ministry beginning, him, him calling uh, his disciples. Uh, we, we, we got to see some pieces of that where he called his first disciples. We saw him ministering in Galilee. And, and, and as he ministered there, what we saw is that things were getting crazy, right? That the crowds were beginning uh, to follow him. That we saw that, that, that the crowds were beginning to be large. Because what we would see, and, and if you want to just look back at Matthew chapter 4, uh, you'll see toward the end of that chapter uh, that Jesus in verse 23 was going all through Galilee and he was teaching and he was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Not only was he proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, what we see is that he was healing people with sickness, that there were lame people that were beginning to walk and that there were those that were, were experiencing uh, God's uh, power. So not only was he preaching the gospel of the kingdom, he was demonstrating the power of the kingdom. And this was no ordinary man. And so as he would go, he was teaching in their synagogues. He was engaged right? And the news was spreading everywhere, right? They didn't have Facebook, but somehow uh, the word was getting out all around. And, and in verse 25, we see that there are large crowds that are following Jesus and they're from all over, right? They're from Galilee. Uh, there are people from Decapolis, which is these 10 Gentile cities. There's people from Jerusalem and Judea. And, and what we see is there's this diverse crowd of people that are following Jesus, that they are gathering and news has traveled fast. And they're probably asking questions like this. 
Have you heard what he is saying? Have you heard this, this great teacher? Have you heard uh, Jesus? Have you heard what he's saying? Have you seen what he is doing? The lame walk, uh, the blind see. And, and in this moment, Jesus does something incredible. And we're going to see, we're going to read a, a bunch of Matthew chapter 5 in just a second. And, and we're going to see that Jesus did something. He sat down. And, and we're going to see and what we know that when rabbis would sit down, that their disciples would gather in because they were going to teach. And it's my hope that we might, as the people of God, gather at the feet of Jesus today. And we might learn from him, that we might not learn from me. There's a reason that we open the word of God. Like if you're a guest and you wonder what's going to happen today, we're going to open the word of God. And we're going to do our, ble- our, our best, right, to take the word of God and expose the word of God and share the word of God and rely on the word of God and pray that the spirit of God through the word of God might change the hearts of people. Uh, and what we see in the Sermon on the Mount is, is Jesus was not looking uh, for a change on the outside, for an appearance of something beautiful on the outside, but he was looking for people that had been changed from the inside. And so we're going to stand uh, this morning in honor of the, the authoritative, inerrant word of God. And we're going to read Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 to 16. We're going to focus on those last few verses today. Uh, and as we read the word of God together, uh, you can direct your attention to the screen or to your Bibles. The scripture says this, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and began to teach them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comfort. Blessed are the gentle, right? For, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kind of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the light, excuse me, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. God, we're grateful that it is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And Lord, we pray, God, that you would uh, work through the power of your word, Lord, through the reading of your word. God, that you would bless the reading of your word, Lord, that it might penetrate deep into our hearts. God, that we might, we might go out of this place, Lord, different than we came in, Lord, that we might be impacted. Lord, that we might be people who are willing to live our lives for the glory of your name. God, people who are willing, uh, Lord, to be salt and light. Lord, people who are willing to let their light shine in the midst of a dark world. Not for their own glory, God, but for your name to be glorified among all people and all nations. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. Lord, we pray that if anyone in this room has not been lit already, Father, they've never experienced your grace and your mercy. Lord, that they don't have a relationship with you. Lord, that today might be the day of salvation. Lord, that you might uh, save someone. Lord, that you might allow your word, God, 
as the gospel is proclaimed, Lord, to, uh, to draw men to yourself. Lord, you say that, 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 it's by, that, it, that faith comes by hearing, Lord, and hearing by your word. God, we pray, Lord, that faith would be born in this room today. Father, we love you. We thank you for your love for us, Lord, and we pray your will and way in every life. And we pray that your name would be glorified through your people today, tomorrow, and until you come back to take us home. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, you may be seated. Hey, we're, we're, we're excited to take communion today together, and uh, we want to remind you, and if you've been born again into the family of God, if you are a born-again believer, you're welcome uh, to take part uh, in that communion. If you've been saved, uh, we would love for you to be part of that. Uh, you may have received uh, a, some communion supplies as you have come in this morning. If you have not uh, received those, if you'll lift your hand, we'll, uh, I see some, some people on the front up here. Uh, some of our deacons will come around. If you'll just kind of raise your hand as they come, we'll make sure to get those uh, distributed uh, this morning. Uh, so please do lift, lift your hand as they come by. Now, I, I want to remind you that as we read the Sermon on the Mount, it is inviting us into a way of life that is radically different from the ways of this world. It is, uh, Jesus is inviting us into a way of living that results in true joy, that results in true happiness, that results in blessing, not, not just being from our circumstances in the moment, because those go up and down, but a joy that comes from within. Uh, we're, we're going to see that this kingdom way of living, and as we read this morning, it, it begins with uh, these incredible nine verses, right, that, that start this out, that point us to the Beatitudes, and, and every one of those verses started with the word blessed. It's a, it's a very powerful word for the people that would have heard it in that time. Uh, it was a picture uh, of divine joy and perfect happiness. Those that would hear that word would have thought that there's no way that anyone uh, that is not God could experience that kind of joy, that kind of happiness. And the only way that they could do that was maybe in the afterlife, but certainly not here. To them, it was not to be used uh, for humans. It was just not that type of word, right? That, and Jesus begins this, this radical teaching, and he's teaching that there's a way of life that is opposite from the culture, that is opposite from the world, and it is opposite from what they would have expected. On down in that passage, you'll see that, uh, that Jesus made this comment. He said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. He says, listen, your righteousness is going to have to be greater than that. And for them to hear that, right? And what we know is that there was a righteousness that was needed that was outside of oneself, right? That it was a righteousness that we could not have in our own, that it was the righteousness of Christ that, that was required. And, and when the people would have heard it that way, they would have thought, you know, if the religious people don't get it, then there's no way I can. Because they would have looked at those Pharisees and they would have said, you know, those are the people that have memorized the Torah. Those are the people that, that are the, the smartest among us. Those are the ones, right, who seem to have it all together. And compared to us, right, this is what they would have thought. Compared to us, we don't stand a chance. But, but Jesus starts this out crazy. And these first four Beatitudes, right, they begin uh, to, uh, to focus on what God is doing in us. And then today we're going to see what God desires to do through us. But they begin to start and they focus on our heart. And they start out and say, blessed are the poor in spirit. 
Right? Those that recognize that they don't bring anything to the table, right? That there's nothing that, that we bring that would earn our salvation or that would allow us access to the kingdom of heaven, right? That, that we are poor in spirit, that we could never be good enough. And not only are blessed are those who are poor in spirit, but the next verse is blessed are those who mourn. Those who recognize their condition and they are broken because of it, right? They are convicted because of it, recognizing that what we deserve is eternal separation from God. But in his grace and his mercy, right? We have been given an opportunity for a relationship with God. And then, then Jesus says, blessed are the meek, right? And that's how we receive Christ, right? Meek, humble. There's a surrender that, that we respond with, right? As God works in us and we begin to surrender our selfish desires, we, re- we begin uh, to repent and surrender to him. And then there is a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, his righteousness, as Christ lives his life in and through us. And it's as Jesus lives his life in and through us that we are to be kingdom influencers. Look at verse 13. Scripture says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, what is Jesus talking about? Who is he talking to? And and I want you to get this picture, right? All these People are gathered. The disciples are gathered. And Jesus looks out and he says, you, you are the salt of the earth. And when we read that, like in the mountains, you means you. But what you need to understand is in the Greek, this is you, plural. And in the, in the mountain standard version, y'all, you got it, right? And so, here, so here's what Jesus did, right? He, he gathers his disciples together and he looks out and he says, y'all, y'all, y'all are the salt of the earth. And not only does he say y'all, it's not only plural, but it has this, this way that it brings great emphasis. And, and what Jesus is saying is y'all and only y'all. That's it. Y'all and only y'all. You're the salt of the earth. That's what Jesus says. It's this inclusive language, right? And it's emphatic. It's you and you alone. And here's something else about it that's really cool. It's present active, which means right now, you and you alone, you're the light of the world. And tomorrow, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It's this state of being, and there's no indication that it's going to complete. Sometimes things are like, this is you right now, but it's going to be different tomorrow. He says, you and you alone are going to be and are in this present moment, the salt and light of the world. Now, when you think about salt, right, we don't think too much about it, right? I I got three salt shakers, right? And, And Nobody's going to like steal them after church if I leave them up here. But there was a time, and in that time, there was an incredible value to salt, right? It, it was the way people were paid. The word we get uh, our word salary from uh, comes from that word. You, you hear people say, well, are you worth your salt? It was a very valuable uh, commodity in those days. And it was a little different, uh, right, because... Now we have great coolers that'll keep things cold for multiple days. We have refrigerators in our home. We have all of those kind of things. But one of the things salt did, and the first thing I want you to see, and it's, it's also the first blank in your app, right? That kingdom influencers preserve. That's what salt 
does, right? It slows the process of decay. We know that when we put our milk or our meat or whatever else in our refrigerator, that something incredible happens, right? It slows the process of decay. If we put it in the freezer, it even slows the process of decay even more. And so as salt in the midst of this world, we are called to be people that slow the process of decay. Now we look around and the world is a mess, but I want you to think just a minute. If if all the Christians were removed from this world, what kind of shape it would be in. And as salt of the earth, as followers of Jesus Christ, where you're at should preserve the morality of the places that you are. Uh, I heard some students talking and someone had given them uh, a compliment this week. They said, listen, when, when we are working together and we are around you, I, I don't want to cuss as much. Like I want to try not to cuss. And I thought, you know, that, that's a great testimony that says the way that you're living your life causes me to not to want to be vulgar and not to want to be. And, and wherever we are at, there should be pockets of the kingdom of God where we are influencing the culture around it just because of the way you live. Students that'll, that'll be in classroom and say, you know what? I'm not going to cheat on my test. I'm not going to cheat the system. Workers that will say, you know what? I'm going to submit to the authority that's over me uh, in my workplace. Those that say, you know what, regardless of what other people are doing, I refuse to listen uh, to garbage jokes. I refuse to be part of the gossip. I refuse to be part of the things of this world. And when we do that, we are salt in the midst of this broken world and we preserve the good in this world. The second thing that salt does is it penetrates. When you think about salt, it's used to make a difference, right? It permeates. It makes a difference, you can't see it's there. Now, my old boy Grant, he's all about salt on his hamburger. And it doesn't matter. I could pour half a jug of salt on that hamburger when I cook it. And I know that the very first thing that's going to happen is the bun is going to come off and he's going to put salt on there. Because here's the thing. When you look at that hamburger, you don't know if there's salt in it or not, right? Because it penetrates. It's not so visible in, in certain ways, but it impacts in an incredible way, right? It, it's different, right? We... We use salt for all kinds of things, but salt never points at itself. One of my favorite things in the entire world is corn on the cob. Like, hallelujah, that stuff is so good. You know, not one, and, and when I get corn on the cob, I'm going to get some butter, <laughs> and I'm going to take some salt, I'm going to put it on there, and not one time in my whole life have I looked at my bride and said, baby, <laughs> that's the best salt. <laughs> oh, man. I love that salt today. That was incredible. Oh, I'm like, that's the best corn that I've ever seen in my life. And salt is influencing those things that are around. And, and us as the body of Christ, wherever we are at, we're not pointing to ourselves, right? But we're making those people better around us. They're, the language that we use, our speech, the things that we are doing, right? Salt is not about itself, but it's making things great around it. And ultimately, as followers of Jesus Christ, our influence is pointing to making Jesus's name great, right? That we would point to him. See, kingdom influences, they're, they're, they're selfless servants. It's not about them. It's about him. And when we do that, it's an incredible impact. Let's move on to uh, verse 14, right? It says, you are the light of the world. So Jesus says, hey, listen, you are the salt of the earth. And then he says, you. But really what he meant was y'all. He said, y'all are the light of the world. Y'all and y'all alone are the light 
of the world. Now, we know from Scripture that Jesus refers to himself, John 8. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So which one is it? And Jesus is looking at his disciples, and he says, you are the light of the world, right? And what we know is that the answer is both. Friday night, I, I looked up, and the moon was just majestic, right? And where we were at, I was able to see it. It was kind of reflecting over some water. I was looking at it, and I said, man, the moon is beautiful tonight. Look at the light as it reflects on the water. Look at the light in the sky. Look at that. But what do we know about the moon? It don't have no light. Right? Exactly. It reflects the sun. And I was thinking about this passage, and I was looking at that moon, and, you know, just like the sun is the source of physical light to this world, the reality is that followers of Jesus Christ, right, as we reflect the light of Jesus in our life, we reflect the, not the S-U-N, right, but we reflect the S-O-N, and our impact is great in this world. Because what we know about darkness, darkness conceals. Like if all the lights were off and all the windows were covered, if all those things, we couldn't see anything. Darkness conceals. And what we know about light is that light reveals. If you were to look up the definition of light, the very first thing that will come up in your dictionary is light is the very thing, right, that makes vision possible. Jesus said, y'all, you all, y'all are the answer. You and you alone. Because what we know, 2 Corinthians 4, we say that this world has been blinded by Satan. This world has been blinded and they can't see because of all the darkness. And it is around, right? We don't have to look at the news very long to see that. And then Jesus says, you and you alone, you have the answer. You are, you, you have the answer. You're not the answer. Jesus is the answer, but you have the answer. And you are to reflect him to this world. Some of you are thinking, that's a pretty big claim for you to get up here and say that you are the answer. But I want to remind you, I didn't make it. Jesus made it on that hillside. And he said, you and you alone. Followers of Jesus Christ. And what we need to understand is there is no light in this world apart from followers of Jesus Christ living and proclaiming the gospel. That's how God has chosen for the gospel to go forth. It is through his people. And then the scripture says this, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Cannot. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about that. It said a city on a hill cannot be hidden. You, as the church... When you think about a city, I think about a house over here and a house over here and a business over here and a school over here and houses and houses and houses. And what this passage is saying is that collectively there is light all over and a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And you, as followers of Jesus to Christ, together you cannot be hidden. And, and I want to remind you that, that the church will 
prevail, right? We, we understand that there is no basket big enough to cover it, that there is no way uh, that, that the light uh, can be taken away. Uh, this morning, there was a few children in our early service that uh, beautifully sang uh, this little light of mine. And in that song, right, we remember that song growing up. And he said, this little light of mine. This is the reason I don't sing in the band, right? What did it say? I'm going? Yeah. Hide it under a bushel? Mm-mm, no way, no way. But, but here's the thing, right? We're going to see in this passage that that's what happens a lot. But then as I was hearing them sing, they said something else. Don't let Satan blow it out. But I want to remind you of something. He don't have the authority to blow it out. He, he can't blow it out. You won't find in Scripture where he can snuff it out, but you'll find in Scripture where he can influence us because of fear and all kind of things. We can cover those things, right? We can do those kind of pieces, but, but the Scripture says this, right? We, we can choose to hide it. We can choose to cover it. Look at verse 15. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. He said, nobody's going to take a light and light it up, right? When the power goes out, I don't light up all my little lights so that we can see and then cover them up. They say, you know what? That's crazy. There's no way that we would ever think about those things, right? But many of us, when we walk out into darkness, it's very easy when we get in the midst of darkness that we say, you know what? I don't mind having my light out here at church around other light. But as soon as I get in the midst of darkness, I want to cover that up and draw some attention off me. Because it might cause me problems, right? But Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for his name's sake. Sometimes we're persecuted because of other things, right? And we say, you know, hey, I'm being picked on or I'm doing this or that because I'm a jerk or because of whatever. But, but very few people are persecuted because of righteousness. That's what it says, right? That because of the way that we live. Because here's the truth. Light reveals and it exposes darkness that is around. And, and we are either making a difference or by the way we're living, we are demonstrating our indifference. We're living in a way that says we do not care. But this passage says that no, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Can I remind you that there are people that are around you that need to see the light of Christ in you? There are people that are counting on your light to shine. There are people that are counting on the way that you live, that, that they would see your life reflecting the S-O-N, right? That they would see your life reflecting Jesus. People in your class, people in your homes, people in your school, people that need to see it. Teachers that are in this room, your students need to see the light of Christ being reflected in your life. Athletes, the locker room, people need to see your light. The opposing team, right, that you're playing against needs to see your light. As salt and light, we are to be different from this world, right? We are to be people who do not hide their light in the midst of darkness, but that let it shine. Many of you remember uh, on August the 21st of 2017, something happened that drew some attention to our area. How many people remember what that is? Anybody remember? Yeah, it was an eclipse, right? I've got uh, some moon balls that I actually got at an event from that. And I was thinking about just the way that we reflect the sun. And, and on August the 21st, 
something happened, right? And I was asking my son a little bit about it because he likes science. And he, we were talking about a, a solar eclipse and how that works. And, and basically what happens is the moon finds itself in a position between the earth and the sun. And it blocks the light from impacting the earth. And I was thinking about that. And it just kind of hit me. You know, the very thing that's very purpose is to reflect the sun. Somehow in the midst of that moment finds itself positioned in a place that instead of reflecting the sun, it's blocking the sun. I began to think about us as followers of Jesus Christ. And I'm afraid that because of the way that some uh, believers and professed believers live their lives that we can find ourselves in a place that instead of being the bright light that God has called us to, we have found ourselves in the way. Instead of the light being able to be seen because of our lives, there are people that are around that are, that are desperate to see the gospel, that are desperate to see uh, the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And somehow we have found ourselves in the way. Somehow we are allowing our sin. Sometimes it's our attitude. Sometimes it could be so many things, right, that we are so concerned about ourselves. We're so concerned about instead of making a difference for Jesus, we're so concerned about furthering our own agenda, furthering our own ways. Verse 16 gives us something beautiful and Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. For salt to be effective, it must be applied. For light to be effective, it it must be seen. It must be visible. It must be. And we as followers of Jesus Christ are called to be separated from sin, but not isolated from sinners, not isolated from this world. We must be people who are all about the Father's business, who are people who would live their lives in such a way that people might see your good works, that they might see my good works, that they might see our lives lived and glorify our Father who is in heaven. You know, I love when we see our people serve in such a way that, there's, that we serve people that could do nothing for us in return, that our motives are not because of, of anything less than to glorify Jesus. Where I've seen our men building handicapped ramps or serving in our community and, and seeing so many of you in so many different places where the agenda is for nothing less than because we love Jesus and we want to share the good news of who he is. We must be people that are making a difference through the way that we live in the midst of this dark world. And when we serve, light brings warmth to those who are around us. Light reveals and comforts those who are in darkness. And I don't know if you have noticed it, but a little bit of light. Like when it's dark all around, a little bit of light makes a big difference. You just put that little candle up, you do whatever those things are, it makes a big difference. And as a little bit of light goes all over our town, as a little bit of light goes all over this world, 
right? The restaurant that you eat at today, it should be better because you are there. The stores that you go into this week, they should be better because you are there. The waitress that takes care of you today should not leave uh, feeling beat up and discouraged because your food didn't come out quick enough, right? But we need to be people that wherever we are, we are, we are impacting those places for the good of the gospel. That we are people, right, that are, that are making this world better because of our presence that's there. And all glory should go to our great God. Because here's the thing, right? A bunch of lights out together. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And as we go out living and reflecting the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's incredible the impact that it'll make. I want you to do something for me. I want everybody in the room just to take your hand and point it toward the ceiling. Just keep it pointing up. If somebody walks in here today, if somebody just comes in, has no idea what's going on, and they walk into this moment, what's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to look up. And here's what should be true of every church. Here's what should be true of every one of us. Right? That as we leave here today, you can put your hands down, but as you leave here today, that our lives, man, should be, should be living and serving in our fingers. We should be pointing toward Jesus in every church in our county, right? Where it's Liberty Baptist just down the road, or Iola Baptist just down the road, or whether it's Discover Church or Biltmore Church. You could list all these churches, people that are following Jesus Christ. As we go out collectively, the, 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 the church, right, should be living our lives in such a way that people might see our good works because there's an expectation, right? If you're in Christ, the Bible says in Ephesians 2.10 that you are his workmanship, that you are his poeme in the Greek, that you are his masterpiece. He's created in Christ Jesus. That is who you are in Christ. And that as you go, that you've been created for good works that have been laid since the foundation of time, that you might walk in them. And listen, we got to get our eyes off of ourselves. We got to get our eyes off of our sin. We got to get our eyes off of all these things. And we got to say, you know what? I'm going to live my life for the glory of something greater, for the glory of someone greater. And I'm going to serve people. I'm going to take a, a, a towel and a wash basin. I'm going to wash feet and I'm going to live and I'm going to serve my neighbor and I'm going to serve uh, my friends. And I'm going to serve those people that are around me. And the entire time, I'm going to be pointing to Jesus. And I'm going to be pointing all glory to him. See, our influence is not for our good. Our influence is for the glory of God. And you, as followers of Jesus Christ, are sent into the midst of this world as salt and light. We, we are the light of the world. Y'all, us, and us alone. See, darkness conceals. Light reveals. I want to remind you this morning that it is only the gospel that heals. There is nothing apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ that will meet the needs that this broken world has. We look for physical needs that are around us. We look for opportunities to serve. But I want you to understand that all those needs, they are band-aids in the midst of a broken world world we do those things that we might be able to point to Jesus and that we might be able to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that that we have a savior right who loved us so much that he gave himself for us and in order for us to be light we must first be lit in order for us to be light we must first be lit because it's not our light it's Christ living in us Sermon on the Mount is just an incredibly powerful scripture. 
And it reminds us that God is not looking for righteousness on the outside that points to how good we are. But God is looking for righteousness from the inside. The righteousness of Christ that points to how great God is. Some of us here this morning, we may be walking in the midst of darkness. We may realize this morning that our sin has separated us from God. That because of our sin, we are dead in our trespasses and sin. But because of God's grace that he came, he became sin for us, died on the cross and rose again. So that whoever would trust and believe in him, whoever would call upon his name. And that includes every one of us, no matter how dark our world is, no matter how many things that we've done, no matter how far we have gone down a wrong path. When we trust in him, when we repent of our sins, we can be forgiven. Our sins are washed away and we become brand new. Jesus became sin for us. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And the light overwhelms the darkness. You become new. You are made new. See, the goal of the gospel, the goal of God's word, is not simply information, but it is transformation. It is obedience from the heart. If you've never trusted Jesus you've never had a time in your life where you've repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ, I want to invite you this morning to trust him, to turn from sin, to recognize the darkness that we live in, to recognize our brokenness. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. But first he said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit who recognize that there's nothing that we could do to earn our salvation, that there's nothing that we could do to be good enough to be in the presence of God. We recognize our sin. We repent of our sin. We mourn over our sin. And we trust in him. We respond and surrender. We hunger and thirst for righteousness, righteousness that we don't have. And Jesus responds in his grace and his mercy. And he forgives us. The scripture says that it's by grace through faith that we're saved. That not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Will you trust him this morning? And for believers in this room, maybe we've been content. Maybe we've been content to say, you know what? I'll be light when I'm around other Christians, but as soon as I get out of here, man, I'm going to cover that thing up. There are people that are desperate to see God's light reflecting in you. And we must refuse to bow down to the things of this world. We must refuse to cover our light because of fear, because of our love for our own sin, because of ourselves, whatever those things are. Some of us need to remove something in our lives. We need to remove ourselves from an eclipse that is preventing people from seeing Jesus.